As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Welcome to the NBA Daily Ding on The Athletic NBA Show. Ding, ding. How about we can just watch basketball? I like that idea. Good morning and welcome to the Daily Ding here on the Athletic NBA Show. I'm Jared Weiss. I'm joined by Mo DeKeel. Danielle Lehman is our producer. And holy crap, the last week of the NBA regular season is going to be thrilling. We knew it was going to be good and it delivered on Monday night. It's Tuesday night. Is it Tuesday night? I can't even tell. Tuesday night, right? Who knows what day of the week it is at this point. So this is the Wednesday morning thing. And we just watched Joel Embiid win the MVP. Beats the Celtics 103 to 101. Absolutely insane ending. But Embiid had 52 points. I don't even know. Like, we can't even talk about it in the sense of, like, I think Denver fans and even... Giannis fans and Milwaukee fans might be upset for us crowning and be the champ tonight, the MVP. But that's the type of performance you need down the stretch of the season in a signature win for them. And yes, no Jalen Brown for the Celtics and all that. Joel Embiid was simply unstoppable. He was 20 of 25 from the field, got to the line 13 times, 13 rebounds, six assists. Honestly, Jared, he was making shots where I was just like, yeah, you can't stop that. Like these were great defensive possessions. And he'd hit a fadeaway from the free throw line. Like, he was extremely impressive in this game. I mean, they were draping him with double teams, you know, front and back contests on his shots. Just hit him anyway. And then at the very end, just facing up Grant Williams and just completely blows by him. Like, it, it was, there was a few plays here where the he just got the step on the defense and it just wasn't even close. Like, they just could not contain him. This is, this is a team that generally does a good job against Embiid. They have personnel that can stay in front of them, and nobody had a chance against them. Yeah, I mean, there was just no stopping Joel Embiid tonight. And that said, it was still an incredibly close game for all of everything that went along. You know, the only other player in, excuse me, only two other players for the Sixers were in double figures. One of them was P.J. Tucker. That part was the shocking thing. Three threes in the fourth <laughs> quarter. Big, big monster shots. And I just had to ask you, Jared, because you are the Celtics beat writer for us at TheAthletic.com. You and Jay King do a great job covering the team. What the hell? Why did they keep leaving P.J. Tucker over at, wide open after he was hitting threes? The third one really pissed me off because they just stared at him. 
Nobody closed out at him, and they're just like, are you going to shoot it? That one was so bad. So it looked like, I think it was Jason Tatum and Derek White. They couldn't figure out who was supposed to close out. I always hate those moments on defense where they can't decide, oh, who's responsible for the closeout, so they both hesitate. But if you're not sure, just go for the closeout. The worst-case scenario is you block the shot twice, right? So that that really screwed him over. It seemed like just their game plan was to send that double at Embiid and ditch P.J. Tucker, and it was working because I think he only had two points until like the final minutes of this game, and then he just went off. So that gamble was working, and you know, I mean, that's what P.J. Tucker does, right? He gets you at the worst time. I mean, he, he kills you, and I think that was one of those things that really sort of just crushed them down the stretch of this game to really sort of build out that lead that they apparently needed every bit of because in the last minute, it really did feel like the Sixers were trying to give away the game. Yeah, so this the last minute of this game took like 20 minutes, it felt like. So uh, Tyrese Maxey falls out of bounds, turns the ball over. with like- Oh, he got, he got, let's just be honest, he got helped. He definitely got helped in terms of falling out of bounds. He got pushed. The referees just missed that call. And so Celtics get another chance, and then it ends with Marcus Smart driving, getting fouled, hitting the shot, and then he misses the free throw so perfectly that he's able to jump in the air, catch it in the air, throw a behind-the-back pass to Al Horford on the money, who swings it to Derek White, who then hits the three, and it's a, initially it's a foul on P.J. Tucker. They reviewed it and actually revoked the foul. Somehow the Celtics get the ball back, and Jason Tatum has a chance to take the shot with two seconds left, and he bricks no, it. No, but. no, 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 no. Let's not somehow this stuff. They, they refs blew the whistle as the ball was being inbounded, and they it was there was a lot of confusion across the board. I think on the broadcast at the very least because they just assumed, oh. The refs are calling the foul where Grant Williams dragged Embiid down, and it was a foul before the ball was inbounded. When, in fact, they were calling an offensive foul on Joel Embiid. And correct me if I'm wrong, Jared, because I'm still not 100% sure on what the hell happened. But just somewhere along the way, it became the Celtics ball with two seconds left. Yeah, so there were so many plays I forgot about that part. So I think what happened was Grant Williams' chin must have had some super glue on it, and it got stuck to Joel Embiid's arm. And he seemed to get dragged down. That's the only way I could explain it. It looked like a weird grapple flop by Grant. Like he, it, it didn't make any sense why he went down. And yeah, those were you know, two plays where the Celtics go to the uh, the refs into probably giving them something they should have gotten there. I mean, that was some elite mischievousness by the Celtics or dirty play, depending on how you look at it. Just just wild play. They run an, uh, a play down the stretch to get a look for for Tatum. Tough fadeaway misses. They don't tie the game. The Celtics lose. I think this game was bigger for the Sixers than it was for the Celtics. Just in the number of guys that were out for Boston, mainly Jalen Brown. And if the Sixers can't beat them without Jalen Brown, they don't have a lot of hope of when you know they they'd be able to beat Boston with both Brown and Tatum. So I think that's kind of a important win for the Sixers. And again, I honestly think this might have sealed the deal for Joel Embiid. Yeah, and this was important because the Celtics were going to sweep the season series if if they if I guess if Tatum was able to hit a three there at the end. And so the Sixers needed this win because these two teams are probably going to line up in the second round. And who knows who's going to be the 2-3. The Sixers are within two games now. So it's unlikely that they're going to be able to flip this. But this this is going to be a battle royale in the playoffs. Is Joel Embiid going to be able to score 50 points every single night? Like, who's going to step up? Uh, you know, whether it's Maxi, Tobias Harris, they're going to need someone else to step up to help handle the scoring besides Harden and Embiid. 
I, I thought we established it was PJ Tucker. Yeah, there we go. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, let's head to the opposite corner of America. The Lakers beat the Jazz 135 to 133. Uh, the Jazz are really bad at tanking. They keep fighting to get back into the play-in. Uh, but LeBron, with 37 points, pulled it out in the end. Oh, let's not let the Lakers off the hook. They really did try their very best to blow what is an crucial game for them down the stretch of this season. I believe it was a 10-0 run they gave up at the end of the game to allow the Jazz to force overtime in this game. Like, this is one of those things you looked at going like, hey, you're happy to leave Utah with a win, but you're also like, damn, we're really playing with fire at this point. Like, this is dangerously close to being a massive problem. LeBron missing a layup to win the game in regulation. And I think that was one of those things where I was really concerned about them. I thought the Jazz were going to pull this out, this one out, even though they're trying to lose games. Yeah, they went on a 10-0 run in the last minute and a half of this game. It was unbelievable. Uh, you know, THT continues to score. Abaji had 22 points. Kelly Olynyk had a big game with 23 points and seven dimes. Um, but you know, the Lakers, they hang, I think at one point they were actually out of the play-in while the Warriors game was still going. Then the Warriors won. We'll get to that in a second. But they're sitting at seventh. They are game up on the Pelicans. Like, it looks like they're comfortably in control of their destiny in the play-in. Well, I think all of this will come down to a massive L.A. showdown on Wednesday night, which I'll be on the ding for tomorrow night as well, uh, between the Lakers and the Clippers, kind of really going to put one of these teams in a real big disadvantage in terms of heading into the playing tournament. So I think that's going to really be a fascinating game to watch as we come down to it. But LeBron was also really good in overtime. Nine points in overtime really put the team on his back and really went after it in this in that extra frame to help get Lakers get the win. All right, so the both LA teams are 41 and 38 heading into that game, so that's going to looks like probably be the tie-breaking game. Uh the Warriors, they went from play-in to back up and now they're fifth place. They're 42 and 38. They have one more win than the Clippers and the Lakers. They beat the Thunder 136 to 125 and uh Stephen Poole, they they combined for 64 points. Yeah, I mean this was a Pretty interesting game in the sense of it looked like the Thunder were going to really run over them in the first half and and had a nice little thing going there. And then, you know, as the Warriors do, especially at home, continue to make it close, close, close to the point where it was a tied ball game, 115-115. And then, you know, some shenanigans. Uh, Steph, I believe, makes a three turnover. The Warriors get a score on the other end. And in that opportunity somewhere in there, the ball goes out of bounds 
off of Oklahoma City Thunder. The referees do not let Lou Dort into the game to substitute in the game. They give the Warriors the ball. They run the ball up the court real quickly, get a transition bucket. Mark Dagno goes completely ballistic, and rightfully so. The ref screwed up. They should have stopped the play, allowed Dort to get back into the game and go from there. Took a technical, and from that, the game was over because the Thunder never recovered. I think it was like a 20-5 to run at one point in down the stretch of that game to really put it away for the Warriors. Yeah, and pull, pull at 18 points in the fourth quarter. He just was dynamite there. And you Walking off with the three celebration at the very end, you could see the kind of the, the crystallization of this potential Warriors contender that's going to get, you know, they had Andrew Wiggins sitting on the bench this game. It looks like he's coming back soon. Uh, Clay didn't play in this game, but like, you know, they get their guys back and you can kind of see a possibility for them to actually emerge as a dark horse contender. I mean, there's no, they're nine and 30 on the road, Jared. Like we can, like the West is wide open, but at the same time, this team is nine and 30 on the road. Like we're going to start really reaching for contenders and things like that. You can't be considered a contender when you can't get 10 road wins. Well, they're not going to have home court advantage at all in the playoffs at this rate. So uh looks like that's going to be an uphill battle. Our last game here, the Wolves, they beat the Nets 107 to 102. That keeps them at the ninth spot in the play in they did not slip in the OKC loss. So they, you know, that protected them there too. Uh, but are, how are you feeling about the Wolves? This team that just continues to be mired in complete 500-ness heading into the postseason, hoping to hopefully stay in the play-in. Honestly, I think they uh, the answer to that is nobody should have any sort of feel with this team. They just got Cat back recently, and in that process, lose Nas Reed. I think they're a playing team. I think you know they're gonna be challenged a lot in the playoffs as they, you know, just trying to figure out who they are as a team. I think this has been a tough season for them just in terms of continuity, and you know, just finding consistency as a team. You know, they'll be fun, but I. I'm I, I'm very indifferent in the sense of I don't know what the hell they are, Jared. Nobody does, and they certainly don't either. Uh, Nets loss that puts them just a game ahead of Miami in the uh, six-seven battle there, uh, but they have a pretty easy schedule here. I think it's Detroit, Orlando, and then Philly in the last day, and I don't think Philly's going to be playing for anything. So, going to be interesting to see if those two teams slip. I don't think so. I think we're pretty much heading into. I think those two teams are pretty set with where they're going to be. I think we're getting really close to being and solidifying the standings for the most part. All right. Well, tomorrow probably going to be a bigger update. Mo will be there for you. I'll see you guys Thursday morning. Or no, Friday morning then. Uh, so for Mo DeKeel, Danielle Lehman, Jared Weiss, this has been the Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. Ding, ding. Ding, ding.